Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website, warehousechurch.com, or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Hey, good morning, church. Good to see you in the house today. Tell somebody you're sitting next to, you are awesome. Tell them they're awesome. Kim and I want to thank you all so much for your prayers and, and your kind. Well, we have a good crowd today. Amen. I want to thank you for your prayers this week. Uh, first and foremost, uh, for our team that went to Guatemala, if you uh, will make sure, yeah, give them a big hand. I'm so proud of our guys and ladies, so, so proud of them. Uh, they built a house this week. They ministered to thousands of people. Dr. Brian Hooten went and took some people from his chiropractic office and adjusted uh, over a thousand, what I heard, uh, backs and bodies, not just backs, but necks, bodies. You'll correct me after church, I'm sure. But um, so, so, uh, just really neat to see what the Lord did. I want to encourage you, go on our church Facebook page, Warehouse Church on Facebook, and take a look at the pictures, and then make sure that you're here next week. We're going to hear from uh, the, uh, a lot of the folks that went on the trip. They're going to share testimony um, uh, about what the Lord did in their life, which is some things they saw. We have a video we're going to show you. It's going to be awesome. So I hope you're here for that, and uh, we want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for praying for my wife. Uh, her surgery was successful. She was, uh, had surgery on Tuesday, and um, just so thankful for so many people that reached out with prayers and kindness and and so forth, but she's here with us today, sitting up front, my beautiful wife, super, super glad, uh, one of my kids said to me, you know, dad, you know, you and mom with all these surgeries, you're getting kind of old, you know, should we be prepared, I said, yes, be prepared to start taking care of yourselves, that's what I said to them, so, um, no, but seriously, we want to thank the church so much uh, for all the love extended, and just good to be part of a great church family. And I hope if you don't, if you're not part of a great church family, we, would, we extend our arms wide open and would love for you uh, to be a part of that. And we also want to recognize this morning, it's a very special weekend. Uh, we want to recognize this morning our veterans. Let's give our veterans a big hand. If you would not mind, if you have served in the United States Armed Forces at any level, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard. I don't think I'm forgetting anybody. We have a special gift for you, and we would like to ask you to stand real quick if you wouldn't mind doing that. I hate to embarrass folks, but if you served, yes, we'd like to give you a hand. Stay up, stay up, stay up. Thank you all, ladies and gentlemen, that served, made this country a great, great country. We kind of did the Oprah thing, one for you and you and you and you. Uh, but we wanted to give you a, just a little gift, a token of appreciation from Warehouse Church to you, and we want to thank you for that. Uh, and if you're a veteran tomorrow at Texas Roadhouse, you can get a free lunch tomorrow as well as many other places. So uh, we, we would encourage you to go do that. 
Well, we're, we're in this series called Creed, and I'm gonna, we're going to talk to you today about something I think should be uh, nearest and dearest to the hearts. If you claim Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, uh, if you know that there was a time in your life when, when you kind of realized that you had a need, that there was just something that wasn't there, and you understood that God loved you, and he wanted to forgive you, and even proved himself to you, that he would forgive you by allowing his son to die to pay for every wrong thing that you and I have ever done. Um, you know, the, the years, uh, Kim and I this year have celebrated our 25th year in ministry this year and have had the privilege to talk about Jesus in different countries, in church, in, in, in many different venues. And it's the greatest privilege of our life to be able to do that. And I still sometimes try to comprehend fully how much God loves us, and I really can't. You know, because I know, I, 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 know I know how much of a need that I had in my life. And to think that God would just forgive me of everything and save me. I just don't understand that all the time. You say, Pastor, you're supposed to. Well, I'll understand it more when I see him face to face as much as we all will. But the fact of the matter is that he loved you at your worst is when he loved you as the most that he could. You know, and, and, and we're very, you know, we're very conditional. Like we, we base our love on how we're loved. We base the love that we demonstrate on the love that's given back to us. But the Bible says that God demonstrated his own love toward us, even though we were sinners. And I know we understand that we're sinners, right? We do stuff wrong. And I'm not saying that on a platform of judgment. I'm saying that very inclusively. All of us have things in our life that we regret that we've done wrong. And I hope you've asked forgiveness for from the Lord. But here's the thing, that point of sin in your life is when you were the most far, farthest separated from God, and, and he loved you in spite of that, and did something to demonstrate his love by allowing his son to pay for all that bad stuff that you and I did. I don't fully understand that all the time, but I know that it's true. And I know what God's done in my life, and I know what he desires to do in your life. I want to share this story with you. I know, you, I know you're pretty familiar with it. Uh, if you have any kind of awareness on what happens in our news in our country. On January the 15th, 2009, U.S. Airways Flight 1549. Now, U.S. Airways used to be U.S. Airways. Now, they're American Airlines. They merged. But U.S. Airways Flight 1549, after leaving LaGuardia Airport, struck a flock of Canadian geese, lost all of its engine power, and the flight was doomed to crash. The pilot was a 57-year-old pilot named Chesley Sullenberger, or better known as Sully. Uh, he was, it's interesting when you read some of this, he's not only an experienced pilot and logged thousands and thousands of hours in commercial, as a commercial pilot, he was also an Air Force pilot, but he's also an experienced glider pilot, which is very significant. Because when the engines were, were demolished or destroyed because of the geese following, uh, you know, just kind of the whole flock going into the engines and blew them out, uh, he then navigated that plane to kind of do a loop around, and they landed safely in the Hudson River. If you've not seen that movie, it's called Sully, you need to watch it. It's very, very intense. But it's very, very powerful. And one of the things that resonated uh, in my heart when I was watching that movie, and e even as I read the story, 
when Captain Sully was referring to the people that were saved and didn't die. I mean, you could see him at the end of the movie. Now, listen, everything Tom Hanks does is good, right? But Tom Hanks wasn't the pilot, okay? Uh, this, this guy, Captain Sully, was really the pilot. But there's one thing that he said over and over and over again, uh, even uh, after, when he was being interviewed and kind of was in that little bit of a trial, not trial, but uh, when they were uh, trying to figure out whether he did it all right and so on and so forth, he, he used this phrase, all 155 souls were saved. Not just all 105 people that were on the plane lived. There were 150 passengers, five were crew members, and he said all 155 souls are accounted for and they were saved. Uh, perhaps when you heard this story, right, when you were maybe on your way to work because um, it happened in the morning or maybe even watching one of the news channels uh, getting ready for work that day. And they showed the plane land. It was sitting in the middle of the Hudson River. And it was cold because it was in January. And you saw all the people standing on the wings. There was that memory of what took place in 2001 of a plane crash that went into the World Trade Center. And so much tragedy took place. And it really has had an, a really indelible impact on our country. But, but think about this. When that story happened, do you remember when you heard that nobody died that he landed that plane safely because of his experience and, and just his, his quick-witted, uh, sharp decision-making. But it was one of those things where we, you kind of wanted to watch it over and over and over again because it was just good news. Do, do you know what I'm saying? It was just one of those feel-good stories that you were kind of like, man, I want to know more about that. So for me, when, I, when that movie came out a couple years ago, Kim and I made sure we went out and saw it right away. Because that was such a reminder of such a happy thing, of such a great day. Um, good news is amazing. Good news is amazing. Um, when our kids were born, you know, we were, as quick as we could, we got to the rotary dial phone to tell our family members they were born. We couldn't Facebook when my 32-year-old was born in 1988. Just wasn't around to do that. I don't, we even have a computer back then, honey. Uh, we, but we couldn't, so we had to call everybody, right? And some of our personal family and friends found out a couple days later, maybe even a week later, uh, or when they were able to see us, because we really couldn't call everybody. We called those close to us, of course. But that good news, we were anxious to share that, you know? I remember the night when Christina was born. Uh, it was kind of funny because um, I was working for my dad, and when I called my dad at, at midnight, and I said, Dad, or it was about 10 o'clock at night, maybe a little. No, it was earlier than that. It was about dinner, right after dinner time. And it was a great day to have a baby because it was the day that the NFC championship game and the AFC championship games were played on Sunday, both together, back to back. So while she's going through all this labor stuff, I'm watching two awesome football games. It was awesome. And then the Simpsons came on, and then the first show of The Living Color came on. Remember the show Living Color? That's where Jim Carrey got his start. Okay, super dating myself here. But I remember when she was born, and I couldn't wait to drive to my dad's store about three miles away from the hospital, and on, and as God is my witness, on the way from the hospital to my dad's store, Stevie Wonder's song, Isn't She Lovely, came on the radio. Isn't that awesome? And I couldn't wait to tell my dad. I went in the store, and I went, Dad, you're never going to guess what song was on the radio. He said, I don't care about that. How's your granddaughter? I said, my granddaughter. I said, Dad, she's beautiful. 
and I told him about the song, and I'll never forget this. My dad said, man, I'm so thankful. This is so great because you could still work today. And I went to work an hour later, and I work a 12-hour shift. It was awesome. No, I'm not bitter about that. That's just the way things went. But good news is just something you just can't, you just can't wait. You know, like on Christmas Day, perhaps a, some of you guys will get something that you really, really wanted for Christmas or on your birthday or something great will happen in school. Or maybe in work, you'll get a promotion or something awesome will happen. You'll get a giant raise, you know, or something really cool will happen. You just can't wait to tell people about it because there's just something about sharing good news with people you care about and the people that love you. Isn't that right? It's just, it's neat to do that. And I, I wonder why, I wonder, and I'm not trying to uh, question the mind and the heart of God whatsoever, but I'm a human being, and I don't think like God does, none of us do. But I wonder why he made the evangelism of the world, and he put that in our hands and our responsibility. Not to save the world, because I can't save anybody. The only thing I could do is tell people or be a witness to something that I know is true in my life and that Jesus loves me just the way that I am. He wants to forgive you and he wants to be a permanent part of your life. I know that's true because, it, because it's, it's what he's done in my life. I'm going to read this verse to you. You know this verse. It will be on the screens if you don't have a Bible with you this morning. In John 3.16, For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. People need to know that God loves them. That's good news. That's what the gospel means. The good news of Jesus Christ. And you know what? There are a lot of people like you that have good families, uh, that, have, uh, that you're surrounded by. I'm very, very blessed. Uh, this week when my wife was in the hospital, we had so much love extended our way. Not only from our amazing church family, but family that lives in different parts of the country. And then, and my girls were just, they're just there, just taking care of, of us and, and everybody. It was such a great thing. People need to know that, that, aren't, that don't necessarily feel loved, that somebody loves them. And it's God, he loves them. 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord, and be prepared always to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. People need us to be ready to tell them about this good news. People need us to be ready to share the gospel story of Jesus Christ. To share how much God loves them. Not, a, not from a platform of, man, your life is jacked up, bro. You need to get your act together. No, we, we get that from everybody telling us how we're supposed to live. The, the, the point of God's love is to remind us of how bad we are, but to, the point of God's love is to remind us how much loved we are in spite of all that stuff. And that's good news. And people need to hear that good news from you and I. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 helps us understand the platform that we can have to be able to share that good news. And it's a misunderstood passage of Scripture I'm, I'm going to read some of these verses and, 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 and try to uh, explain these to you properly. But it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? 
What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are all that for we are the temple of the living God. Because God said this, I will live among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, purify yourselves from everything that contaminates the body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. And we say, okay, that means we're not supposed to associate with people that don't know Christ. That's not what that means. What it means is we're supposed to be different. Different, but not better from our opinion standpoint. You know, we can't take this position in our lives that we're better because we have Christ and you don't. Therefore, I'm in a higher position with God because that's not true. The truth is, is that God loved all of us equally. You know, we live in a time where we're reminded of the equality of everything, right? Equality, equality, equality. Uh, I actually... <laughs> I was in, I can't remember where I was, it was about a month ago. Uh, I went into a bathroom for everyone. Had like, had the guy sign, the girl sign, and had the transgender sign, and had a fourth sign that I didn't understand what it was. And, And I had to use the bathroom. And it was the only bathroom available. So I went into that bathroom and I text Kim afterwards. I said, man, I feel very modern right now. I feel very... Like I'm doing my part to bring world peace because I'm using that bathroom that everybody hates, right? That was a little much, but I thought you'd like to hear that. But I won't talk about the TP that was in that bathroom, Kevin, okay? I'm not going to do that. But um, the point of the matter is, if and when people see something different than us, it gives us the platform, the ability, right, the right to say to them, Hey, I want to tell you what Christ has done in my life and he wants to do in your life too. Because it's real to you. So we're going to talk about this morning, super, super practically speaking, super practically speaking, this idea of sharing your faith, of boosting your personal efforts in personal evangelism. It's it's great to be a part of a church and a church family. Again, if, if, if this isn't your church Uh, We would invite you to come out. Like, if you don't say, this is my church family, we're still trying to check things out and figure it out. This Wednesday night, Miss Kelsey will tell you about it uh, in her announcements at the end of the service. We're doing a uh, class on Wednesday night, correct, Uh, for folks that are interested in becoming a part of Warehouse Church family. You don't need your deed to your house. You don't need your ID. You don't even need to bring a big check with you. Just come and listen And we would love to welcome you into our family. But we want you to know who we are and what we believe in. And hopefully where we can find some unity in that. So that you can be a part of this and find a place to serve and and be part of uh, the local church. It's, it's, It's really imperative for all of us to do that in our lives. But this idea of personal evangelism is interesting because when we think of sharing our faith... Uh, it it, 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 it kind of shares this connotation that we have to go into the personal lives of people and it's not very politically correct and I don't want to offend anybody and you know what, my church does a good job at that and we really try to, at, at some level, every single Sunday, share the gospel so that people can be saved and we do so many things throughout the year where we'll give you cards or armbands or 
ways to bribe your friends, if you will, in a, in a, in a, in a non-unethical way, of course, to bring them to church so they can hear about Jesus Christ, right? We bring them so that somebody else can tell them. But I think sometimes we, we kind of skip over the fact that you and I are personally responsible to give an answer of the hope that lies within us, personally. Because there's people, there are people in your lives that may not respond to a church invitation. There are people in your lives that would be more, and maybe they would, they, maybe they would uh, respond to that, and I would encourage you to do that. Invite people to church every week when you get up on Monday morning. Say, God, bring somebody in my life that I can invite to our church this week. But, but here's what's happened where we live in North Texas. We kind of think that everybody goes to church. And the reason we think that is because so many of us, inclusively, that have had a relationship with Jesus Christ for a period of time, we find people like us, like it's described there in 2 Corinthians, where we want to be with like-minded people. So I want to hang out with people that I have stuff in common with. Uh, I don't know if you saw it this morning. I went over and hugged my buddy over here this morning. He's got his Harley vest on, a big oorah thing on the back, and we accidentally, unintentionally, bumped bellies. I checked him into the board. A chair fell. We almost had to call an ambulance because of it, but everything worked out and he's okay. But you know, the first time that I met him and his family, we had something in common because he had a little Harley thing on there and I like to ride bikes just like when I met Jack for the first time. It's sitting up here on the front. We talked about his bike named Chief, you know, and, 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 and there are things like if somebody came in to our church and was wearing a Philadelphia Eagles t-shirt, we'd give him the seat right here. I'd get him coffee. I'd give him one of the extra bunt cake things for the veterans. You know what I mean? Yeah, you didn't serve, but you like the Eagles. This is for you, you know. But that would be common ground for me to have a conversation with somebody. And there are people in all of our lives that we do share commonality with. But man, that, that sharing your faith thing that just makes us so vulnerable. It's almost like we're going to an AA or an NA or a WA or a QA meeting where we're having to share our fall. I, my name is Ed Trinkle and I'm an overeater. You know, or my name is, and we have to, we feel like there's this vulnerableness we share when we share our faith and we really make it about us and not about the people that need Christ. And I was sharing with some friends the other day when we were talking, I think it was on Wednesday night when we were doing our Bible study out of Philippians chapter three. If you're not, if you're part of our church family, I'm going through Philippians and we'll be in the middle of Philippians chapter three right in here this week if you want to be a part of that. Love for you to come out and be an encouragement to one another. But we were talking about how the most studious, burdened, inviting people to church Christians that any church has anywhere are usually people that have just accepted Christ as Savior. Because you know what happens? There, there used to be a song, and, and, and Brother John, I want you to tell Miss Pam I, I referenced this song today, Okay. There's this old hymn song called, The Longer I Serve Him, The Sweeter He Grows. Anybody ever hear that song before? Okay, let me sing it for you. No, never mind. So, <laughs> the longer I serve him, the sweeter, right? So, but but, but here, here's, the, here's the antithesis of that. Here's, here's the negative part of that. The longer I serve him, the more familiar we become with Christian stuff. The longer I serve him, the more I've surrounded myself with good Christian people, but I don't have as many unsafe friends as I used to have. See, when you reach somebody, and, and, and you know what's interesting too, people that grow up in Christian homes, 
I remember we were at a youth camp one time, and we had this youth camp speaker whose name was Randy Hogue, and Randy Hogue gave this message, and it was called The Elevator to Hell. And this dude was screaming, sweated off about six pounds in his message, and man, it just, you felt like you were going right into hell with him when he was giving this message. It was really compelling. But one of the things that he was saying is, uh, in his message was, people that leave, come out of that, infer- come out of hell and go into heaven's infirmary, remember and believe it a lot more than Christians that have been saved for a long time. That's interesting. I'm not saying it's true about everybody. That's just an interesting observation for us to consider this morning. So how can we boost or improve or engage our own personal evangelism by sharing our faith with people? Super practical things that I want to encourage you to do this week wherever you go. Here's the first thing. Pray for people in your life by name. Do you know anybody that would admit to you that they're not a Christian, right? So let me, let's do a public survey. How many of you believe you have at least one person in your life that you're pretty sure doesn't know Christ as Savior? Raise your hand up in the air. That's, that should be all of us, right? That's probably all of us. So if you, are, have, when was the last, and listen, I'm not trying to Jesus juke you, or this is not Guilt Fest 2019, but have you prayed for that person lately? Have you just brought their name up the same way that you, dear Lord, bless this food to our bodies, bless this day, bless our church, bless this person in our church family that's sick, bless this church in person in our church family that's sick, bless this person in our church family that's sick, bless all the missionaries all over the world, bless Miss Kim this week as she's getting better, bless our church, bless, 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 bless in Jesus' name, amen. Did you remember that person you know that doesn't know Christ? Lord, give me an opportunity. Can, can, can you show me a window of opportunity that I can just share with them my faith or bring somebody into their life, Lord, that would help them understand who Jesus Christ is? Are you burdened for that person? Here's number two. Pursue relationships with unchurched and unsaved. This is counter-Christian culture talk right now. Pursue relationships with unchurched and unsaved. I was good, I'm good friends with a pastor of Victory Church in Rochester, New York. They had a very interesting ministry that I was very provoked by, uh, by a group of people in their church that, were, uh, that went through um, Alcoholics Anonymous. They were whole again. Uh, you know, it's still a daily battle with whatever demons and stuff that you go through with your life. I get that. I have them too but they experienced victory in their life, and they had a burden to reach people that, 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 that were in bars on the weekends. So they got about six or seven of them together, and they would go into a bar, and they would go to that bartender and said, hey, here's 50 bucks. Keep our glasses filled with Coca-Cola all night long, or Diet Coke, whatever, okay? But if anybody comes to you, and they're struggling with something, send them over to our table so we can pray for them. Because you know what a lot of Christian people think that people in bars do? Go to get sloshed, and they walk in there saying, I want to be an alcoholic, I wonder how much I can drink tonight. That's not why they're there. You know what they're looking for? The same thing a lot of us are looking for in here this morning. Community? Friends? Somebody that will listen to them? Remember that show called Cheers? It's really true. Where everybody knows your name. 
That's why people go there most of the time. A real alcoholic is not going to want to do that in a bar because it costs so much money. It's much cheaper to buy a fifth of vodka. Not that I know that for any other reason. I'm just telling you, that's what I've been told. But do you pursue relationships? So they would, they, would, they would have this group of people that would pray for people. They saw scores of people saved and come to their church. They had a lot of people get mad at them. They had a lot of people think they were crazies, right? But they had a burden for people that were just like them. And they went, you ready for this? They did invite them to church, but they also went where they were. I wrote this down. It's a quote by a good Christian author that I was reading this week. If we do not make unbelieving people a priority, we will always gravitate to the comfort of the Christian cul-de-sac. We have a really strong Christian community in and out of our church. Great Christian radio, Christian TV, great Christmas stuff you can go see. You can even go to churches and buy uh, a good Christmas program to go to. I'm not, I'm not dogging any of that stuff, you know. But are we doing more with Christians and have we just isolated ourselves from the rest of the world that needs Jesus Christ in the process? Do you know there's a lot of people in North Texas, Dallas, and surrounding areas that have never been to church and don't know Jesus Christ? But some of us would not know that because we don't expose ourselves to any other people besides Christians that we do life with. And we need that. And I'm not, listen, I'm not mocking that. You need to be in a group, you need to be in a good Christian community. But do you have any exposure whatsoever to people that need Christ where your light could light up dark places in somebody's life? Number three, it's almost this. I wrote this for number two as well, under pursue relationships with unchurched and unsaved. It's almost as if we need a non-Christian mingles app. You know what I'm saying? Where we could sign up and find people that don't go to church and we could swipe or maybe up and down, right? Heaven or hell instead of left or right, I don't know. Number three, lean, this is strong because this, is, this hit me pretty hard this week when I was studying this. Lean in towards unbelieving family members. Man, it's tough to reach extended family with the gospel of Jesus Christ to people that know us very well. Man, I had the hardest time for years telling my dad about Jesus because he didn't want to hear it. I know the way that you used to live. Don't tell me because you made this decision that your life's a lot different. Well, it is different, Dad, but it doesn't mean that I'm better. Well, that's great. I'm glad it's better. But listen, me and God have a thing, and it has nothing to do with you. And I would tell him again, and I would tell him again, and I would tell him again. So much to the point where he was like, I just don't want to hear it anymore. Is that all we're ever going to talk about? And I would talk to him about other important stuff like football or the grandkids or this or this or this. But when it came down for a spiritual conversation, man... It's almost easier, and, and if you agree with this, say amen. It's almost easier telling a complete stranger about Jesus Christ than somebody in your own family. Isn't that true? Because somebody in your own family knows your weaknesses and strengths and knows your goods and your bads, and they, they, they remember when you betrayed them, and they know all the skeletons in your closet, if you will. Lean in towards unbelieving family members. Maybe you don't need to talk about Jesus Christ to them all the time. Maybe you just need to be Jesus Christ to them. Maybe just being super kind. Maybe just being non-judgmental of a lifestyle that they have kind of gravitated towards. 
Maybe not talking about stupid politics stuff that's going to drive a wedge in your relationship. Lean in towards unbelieving family members. Number four, love all of your neighbors. I told the story in church before. My wife and I, we bought a house three years ago just off of 15th Street between Alma and Custer. If you're not sure which house is mine, it has a green flag out front. You've seen it, Jack. When we first moved in, and it's, I, when, where we're from in Philadelphia with the row homes, we lived in a house. You've seen that Rocky video. Remember Rocky's house that him and Adrian bought, that real nice row home? We owned a house like that. It was 900 square feet. 900 square feet with three bedrooms, if you can imagine that. But um, when we moved into that house, we found it very interesting that the way to get into your house was down an alley into a garage where you didn't have to see anybody. And if you have other people cut your grass, you don't even have to go out front ever, right? So we started, you know, we wanted to kind of be out front, and I cut my grass, and, you know, I tried to, tried to say hi to my, my neighbors and stuff like that. But we noticed when we moved into the neighborhood, the only family that came over to say hi to us lived directly across the street and brought a big tray of chicken, enough to feed 30 people for real, Big thing of potatoes. This was before I was in your cult, Brian. And a big thing of uh, just all this food. And they said, welcome to the neighborhood. And they had, they had the coverings of a Muslim family. And even one of their daughters with the ones with their, only their eyes shown. I don't know what it's called, but it's the extreme. And that was the family that welcomed us to our neighborhood. They just recently moved too, as a matter of fact. Very nice people. So when the Bible says that we're supposed to love all of our neighbors, we're supposed to love all of our neighbors. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Bonus points. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> he loves all of us, and he wants us to love all of them too. Number five. Your workplace can be the best place if dot, dot, dot. Your workplace can be the best place to tell people about Jesus Christ if you have the right reputation, the respect of your coworkers, and if you do, you will get the right response. Because if you don't have a good reputation, showing up late all the time, you're kind of somebody that's an antagonist in your work area, and you're just not nice, please don't invite them to come to our church. Okay, but try to tomorrow, maybe a whole week of just being super, super nice to somebody where they say, hey, you've been extra nice this week. Why? Well, my pastor told me I was supposed to, but I'd sure like you to come to our church. And my wife and I would like to invite you over to our house for supper. We have a very hospitable church. Uh, there usually isn't a week where Kim and I don't get several invites to have dinners and lunches with many, many people. And we're so, so grateful for that, that we're able to do that. And it's an easy thing for us to say yes to because we like being with our church family. But we've got to be good about doing that with other people that aren't like us too. Number six, harvest relationships with your children's activities and community gatherings. We want to, when our church 
grows. Boy, this is a great attendance today, by the way. Welcome back, Cotter. No, honestly, you know what happens. A lot of people just have, and it's, today it seems like people come to church usually two or three times a month, not every single week. We're just thankful you're here when you're here, I promise you. When I'm not guilting you, I promise you that. But um, there's a lot of things that happen on Sundays in people's lives. And for years and years, the church has been very guilty of kind of preaching against that. Oh, your kids shouldn't play soccer on Sunday. And then we go home and watch football Sunday afternoon, right? Oh, your kids, you should not work on Sunday. Well, I work on Sunday, so I'm not going to tell you not to work on Sunday because I get paid to be here today, and I'm super thankful for that. But I don't do it because I'm paid. You understand what I'm saying? Some people just have to work on Sunday, and that's okay. There's no disrespect towards that. But instead of us getting mad about, oh, I can't believe these people are taking their kids out of church and go to soccer and football and cheerleading, which is not a sport, but are doing all these different things with their kids, right? I can't believe that they're doing that. Instead of, maybe we could get engaged and involved with that. I wonder what would be more Jesus, coaching a group of kids on a Sunday morning or sitting in church, right? And we want to, at that next level of growth, do another service for our church on a Saturday night because people do so much stuff on Sunday morning. We got to grow. We got to grow a little bit more to get there. But you can harvest great relationships with a shared value, loving your kids. Man, talk about your kids. Then invite them to come to church. Number seven, take up a hobby. I was going to say holly. We do have a holly in our church service today, but she's taken. Take up a hobby. Join a league or be part of a secular group of some kind. Don't just do church stuff socially. And I know some of you are going, wait a second, but you invited us to come out Wednesday night for Bible study, and, and then we're going to have this activity, and then we're going to do this. Yeah, we want you to do that, but find a way that you can know and be friends with people that don't know Christ. And number eight, be ready to step up when the door opens. Be ready. We want to get more people here on Sunday. Absolutely. I've got another 60 chairs in this back room that we're ready to put out. But when this room is 70% full for two or three months, we're going to start another church service. I, I, that's going to happen. And we want to see our church grow. But it's not so we can puff our chests out and say, you know what? We're a church plant that made it. Do you know thousands of churches shut down every single day across the United States of America? And we don't want to stay open so we could say, we did it. We want to keep growing so we can increase our influence. Why? To bring glory to God, our Heavenly Father, towards His kingdom, make His name famous. And when we get to heaven and people say, where did you go to church? Uh, I don't remember, but I know that that church really talked about Jesus all the time. Honey, where'd we go to church? Right? Because we want to make Jesus famous. We want to make Jesus famous. So be ready to step up when the door opens. And I, I want to I ask you, if you would, just for a moment, to bow your heads and close your eyes. Just look inside of your heart. And be very, very honest. Listen, God already knows. And the funny thing is, all the stuff that God knows about you... He's not mad at you this morning. He's mad about you. He loves you. He wants to forgive you if you've got junk in your life. He, he wants to minister to you if you're going through a tough time. But he's not here this morning. Because the Bible does say 
that where two or three are gathered there together in his name, he's there in the midst. He's here this morning, but he's not here stomping his foot saying, oh, that person better make it right because I'm really ticked at them. No, he, ha- he wants you to make it right because he has a better way and a better plan. He wants to bless you. He doesn't want to harm you. He wants to use you for your influence. He wants to bless your life. He wants to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask things in, in every single one of our lives today. That's what he desires of you. And one of the things that we do, right, God demonstrated his love toward us even though we were sinners. Christ died for us. One of the things that he wants you to do out of a response towards his love to you is to love what he loves. And moms and dads, you understand this. Grandmas and grandpas, you understand this very, very personally. Uh, When you're nice to me, man, that means a lot to me. But when you do something for my kids or even my grandkids, there's pretty much not too much I wouldn't do for you. You demonstrate love towards one of my girls or my son-in-laws or my granddaughters or my grandson or my sweet wife when she was sick this week, that has a very, very deep impact on my life. And, And you just imagine God, the creator of the universe, who is the father of all, right? And if you're kind to someone he sent his son to die for, don't you think God has a special place in his heart for you? We acknowledge that we know people that don't know Christ. We say this is a value, bringing people to church, personal evangelism, sharing our faith. We know that the Bible teaches that we're supposed to do it. Are you doing it? And will you do it? Would you pray with me right now? If you believe God, if you want God to use you to reach somebody, reach a family, reach a family member that you may have, meet a dear dear friend and invite them. If there's somebody in your life that's burdening your heart this morning that needs Christ, pray this with me this morning. Just say, dear Father, thank you for loving me and saving me. If you know Christ as Savior, pray this with me. Thank you for loving me and saving me. Lord, help me to love and see people the way that you do. Help me not to be distracted. Help me not to be too busy. And help me to be ready to give an answer of the hope that is in me. Lord, prepare me this week for that holy appointment that you have before me. Now, if you don't know Christ as Savior, we're glad you're here. God wants you to be part of his family by acknowledging that Jesus Christ is his son and loves you and gave himself for you so that you can have a relationship with him. And if you want that this morning, you can enter into a personal relationship with God by asking him to forgive you and to save you because the Bible teaches us very clearly that whoever calls on God's name will be saved. So would you call on his name with me this morning and pray this prayer? Just say, dear God, thank you for teaching me what you taught me today. Would you please forgive me of my sins and come into my life and save me? I believe you died so that I can be forgiven. And I believe you're alive and now I will forever live with you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, keep your heads bowed and eyes closed and say amen. I'm going to ask two questions and I'm going to pray. 
if you prayed for a friend that needs Christ this week and you gave God permission and you asked him to use you to reach that person, would you lift your hand up in the air and I'll pray for you in just a moment. Lift it straight up in the air. All over the room. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Put your hand down. If you prayed with me and many others and invited Christ into their life this morning to save them with nobody looking around, would you just lift your hand up real quick? God bless you, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, my friend. Anybody else this morning? I pray with you, Pastor Ed. God bless you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us unconditionally. Lord, we come in on Sunday looking sharp, saying the right stuff, doing the right thing, paying our bills, going to work on time, being a good neighbor. But without a relationship with you, Father, we understand that it's not by the good stuff that we do in our life, but it's according to your mercy that we, that, that we can be saved. Thank you for friends that invited you to come into their heart this morning. Thank you for saving them. Help them to know it, understand it, to, to, to uh, be involved, to be connected uh, so that we can grow with them and, and celebrate what you're doing in their life today. We rejoice with you with friends that accepted Christ as Savior. Father, we don't want to just agree with what was said this morning. I know that word amen means I agree. But we want to turn our agreement into involvement that, that moves into action. Lord, help us to seek out, help us to pray, to pray for those friends that don't know Christ, to really find ways that we can be involved in people's lives for the purpose of being a blessing, to be kind, to give them a cold cup of water in Jesus' name, and eventually, Lord, because of that trust that's built and that relationship that's real, invite them to church, share our faith, use us, Father, to be a blessing. May this week be a week that hundreds of people would have come to know you as Savior because we were challenged this morning. And we do that for your honor. We do that for your glory. We would love for you, Father, to put your hand on this church. We pray, we beg of you, Lord, to bless us, bless our influence as a church. Lord, use us to do great things for you. But even more than that, not for the fact, for the strength of this church, but for the strength of your influence in Plano, in North Texas, and all over the world. Father, we thank you for speaking to our lives this morning. And we celebrate you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say it with me. Amen. Kelsey's going to come up.